0: Romans chapter 5. We'll be doing some landscaping things outside. Hopefully soon we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, over lunch and and the afternoon service as well. But uh, uh, I know we've got some people who said they're willing to help out with it. But uh, just to be aware, coming soon, uh, some mulch and some flowers and things like that as well. Romans chapter 5. Let's start reading in verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of, men, of one many be dead, much more the grace of God, and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification." For if by one man's offense death reigneth by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous." Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We're going to take a a long look at verse number 20 at the end of the verse where it says, But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And this morning, I want us to look at grace uh, through the eyes of Christ. Not just the grace receiving salvation, but giving grace. And how Christ views it for us and how we should view it for others. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help this morning. God, I thank you for letting us come. I thank you for your word and what we can learn from it. And uh, Lord, I pray that as we look through this passage today, I pray that you would work in our lives in an area that we need to improve in. God, I pray that you would help us to treat others the way you treat us. I pray that you would help us to see uh, this morning and receive this morning from your word exactly what you'd have us receive. And God, I pray that you'd help me as I present it, that I would do it clearly and correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. We see this uh, wonderful uh, portion of scripture that talks about how great the grace of God is and how impactful that it is, and how influential that it is. And it's important to understand this morning, first of all, our first point is, by grace, God made a solution. By grace, God made a solution. And we see it in a couple of different verses. In verse number 12, we see Adam's sin. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. We see that uh, uh, Adam's sin ultimately uh, doomed us, right? Uh, By one man's sin centered into the world. Before Adam's sin, uh, there was perfection. Uh, There was sinlessness. Uh, We'll talk about the law a little bit this morning, but uh, we see that the law that Adam had was don't touch and don't eat of this tree. That was it. Rule Number one, the only rule that existed at the time, don't do this one thing. Everything else God said is yours, except for this one thing. And like we still do today, if you have the, uh, uh, the, the note that says, do not read, you're going to read it. Uh, if you have a sign that says, do not touch, someone's going to touch it. Um, if you have this, the, the door that says, do not enter, someone's going to enter. It's the same as Adam. But when Adam committed the sin, and, and listen, you know, this is not a, uh, a sermon on Adam and Eve, but it wasn't Eve's sin, it was Adam's. Why? Well, there's a whole other sermon. But the husband is the head of the home, he is responsible. Um, for what goes on. Eve ate of the fruit. She sinned, yes. uh, But her sin did not uh, pass sin on. Adam's sin did. But by one man's sin, sin entered in. But God had a solution. Verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. So with the the problem, God gave the solution. And by grace, God made a solution for the problem. Adam sinned, all men now sin, and all women too, uh, sin. And there is a solution to it, though, the free gift that God offers by His grace. Verse number 19, we see the sin. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Then we also see the solution. So by the obedience of one... Jesus Christ, so shall many be made righteous. A solution. It's important to understand that grace provides a solution to the problem. The problem is sin, the problem is wickedness, the problem is unrighteousness. The solution is by grace. God's grace, the free gift of salvation. Number two this morning, we're going to come back to grace, don't worry. Uh, Number two this morning, the law had its purpose. The law had its purpose. Verse number 20, the Bible says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law reveals sin. I had this great sermon illustration that I forgot about this morning and didn't bring. Uh, Oh, it would have been dynamic. You would have loved it. Um, So just take my word for it, okay? Uh, (laughs) So so law exists to reveal sin. Uh, The law is given And those that break the law uh, are are clear. You can understand it. You can see it. And so the reason the law exists is to reveal the sin that is within us. There are many laws, I would assume, that you have not broken. Uh, But the one or two or five or seven that you do break uh, reveals your sin. Right. So we can look at the Ten Commandments. Uh, we're going to look at them actually a little bit here a little bit, but you can look at Ten Commandments and you can say, I'm good there, I'm good there, no, I'm not great there, good there, good there, good there, hey, i got nine out of ten, I'm I'm all right. Uh, But that one still reveals sin. Um, If you're like me, you don't love speed limits. Uh, You know, if it says 55, this is the problem, right? We can get into the government here. Uh, The problem is, is the government says, Uh, unofficially, as long as you're going ten or less over the speed limit, you're okay. I'm not going to pull you over. Uh, No, whatever. So, am I really breaking the law if they don't pull me over? Uh, Anyways, uh, the law reveals our sin. I know people who are strict uh, about following the speed limit. Why? Because that's the law. I don't like those people. Um, I'm getting away. i got a schedule to keep, you know, There are laws, you know, most of us, I think, have never murdered anybody. I say most of us because I know about the one. But, uh, the, you know, so yeah, we don't break that law, but there are laws that we've broken. And the law reveals the sin. And so having the law present reveals the sin that is present as well. For, as it says, the law entered that the offense might abound. And then we see what we're going to spend the rest of our time on this morning is God's grace is not limited. And we see it in verse number 20 here. It says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through the righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. God was not surprised by sin. When He created Adam and He created Eve and He gave them the rule, the law, don't touch, don't eat, don't eat of the fruit, He knew what was going to happen. Right? He's not surprised. Just like you're not surprised when you tell your child to do something and they don't do it at least to the fullest extent. You're not surprised by that. You're aware of who your child is by now. You have an idea of what their personality is, what their tendencies are, those sorts of things. And so there are things that you tell your child knowing that they're not going to obey. Now you say, no, my children are perfect. Okay, baloney. Um, There are things, something, maybe, hopefully not many things. There are things, though, that you say to your child, do this say this, whatever it may be, and you know that your child is not going to obey. Now, they may do it, but with a bad attitude, right? So you expect the... Or maybe your kid's a stomper, or maybe your kid is a whiner, or whatever it may be. You know that when you tell them to do something, they're not going to obey. It does not surprise you. God knows all things. So as limited as you are as a parent knowing what your children are going to do, you still know some things about them. God knows everything. And so when He told Adam, don't eat of the fruit, and Adam ate of the fruit, God didn't go, what? No, He knew Adam was going to do it. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Verse 21 says that sin reigns to death. But grace Reigns to eternal life. What sins reign to death so that grace can abound instead? Uh, A sin of worshiping false gods. The first commandment. No other gods before me. The most important commandment. Love the Lord thy God. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. What happens if someone breaks that law? Can grace abound? It can. What if someone dishonors their parents? We're all children, sons or daughters, and we've all dishonored our parents at some point in time. It's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not. Can grace abound? Yeah. What about someone who murders? Oh, that's a bad one. Oh man, that's, that's like top of the list. I mean, that's, that's really, really bad. Can grace abound? Yeah. What about someone who murders an innocent child? Oh, now, now we're really getting to it. Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. Can you and I forgive someone, show grace to someone who murders an innocent child? God can. What about someone who cheats on their spouse? It's hard for us, the spouse who was done wrong to forgive and to show grace, but God is willing. What about someone who is a thief? I have a really hard time being okay with thieves. Thieves? Thieves. Um, not the oil, but the people. Um, there is this, you know, this mindset. You know, man, I've worked hard. I've worked for what I have. I've saved. I've spent hard-earned money. I've uh, done all these things, and someone just comes and takes it. Man, that just that just uh, that gets me going. But God shows grace to them. Well, as someone who covets, someone who lies, does grace abound? You see, for God, it does. But maybe not in our lives. And I wonder sometimes if we are willing to follow the example of Christ in many ways, but when it comes to showing grace where it's needed, if we're willing to do so. Because that phrase in verse 20 where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. You've heard it said that the hospital is for the sick. The church is the same way. The righteous, the sinless person, the perfect person doesn't need church. The sinner does. And I think we all know this. We're sinners. We need church for all of sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. And any time we lift ourselves up above sin uh, to say we, we aren't like those sinning people, the reality is, is we're just like them. We might have different sins, but we're we're just like them. We're sinners still. And we are in desperate need of God's grace. And I'm thankful that God said, His grace doesn't abound for the righteous, but for the sinners. Where sin is, there's where grace is. That's where you're going to find it. And yet, as Christians today, we so oftentimes get in this pious mindset uh, that they don't deserve our grace. Now, I don't think we would say that to someone who walked through the door. At least the people here in our church. I, I don't believe that if someone came into the church, we would ever look at someone and go, no, 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 no. You're not welcome here. I don't believe that to be the case. I think it happens more so in what we see on the news and what we see in society. People that we don't know, that we don't talk to. And we look at them with a mindset of judgment. We don't extend any grace. Why? Because they're evil. Right. That's why we should. Someone who lives an ungodly lifestyle. We tend to look down on, we tend to pass judgment, we tend to overlook, um, ignore, uh, turn away from. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6? Look at a couple quick practical things this morning. From Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look in verse number 9. 1 Corinthians 6, starting in verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor abusers, or excuse me, uh, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, uh, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, nor shall inherit. The kingdom of God. He gives a list there. Things that we would look at and say, okay, I'm not those things. Things that we look at and say, boy, those are bad. And oftentimes we get in this mindset of holding ourselves up to certain lists, but we ignore others. Look in verse number 11. And such were some of you, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. What does he say? He says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. He lists all these sins, all these things, of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says in verse 11, some of you were those things. Some of you were... Fornicators, some of you were idolaters, some of you were adulterers, some of you were effeminate, some of you were abusers of yourselves, some of you were thieves, some of you were covetous, some of you were drunkards, some were revilers, some were extortioners. But why aren't they anymore? Because grace abounded. I use the illustration all the time because I've heard it so often. Well, preacher, if I walk through into your church, the building will fall down. Talking about their past. Or maybe even their present. It's an excuse, of course, like anything else, why they aren't going to come to church. But they try to make it sound like they're sparing me and sparing our church the travesty of a church building collapsing because of their sin. But God says where where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. These people had their lives changed. They're no longer looked at by God as adulterers and fornicators and revilers and idolaters and all these other things because grace abounded. Society today tells us really two things. You need to be tolerant and you need to be accepting. And sometimes when society tells us something that we know is wrong, we get so defensive and we get so um, argumentative that we fail to do what God has done for us. Now, I cannot provide grace that provides salvation. But I can exemplify God's grace so that others can see God through me and can be drawn to Him can understand who God is. That the love of God that God gave to me is the love that I'm going to pass on to someone else so that they can see how much God loved me and ultimately how much God loves them. But who do I need to do that to? I need to do that to the person in which sin abounds. And grace should much more abound in that area. Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 1? See, where society says be tolerant and accepting, the Bible says you can't do either one of those things. In Romans chapter 1, look in verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. We see here God condemning sin. Clearly, obviously, in black and white, you can't argue with you. It's there. God says it's unclean. It's wrong. It's vile. Look with me in verse 29. Because I would assume everybody in the room agrees, even without reading that verse or those verses, that that is sinful against God. Verse 29, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only to do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. It's interesting because we would look at verses 24 through 27 and go, oh yeah, man, that's, that's bad. That's sinful, that's wrong. And then he continues with another list starting in verse 29, and many of those maybe you'd say don't, don't apply, but then all of a sudden you see things like proud, whisperers, disobedient to parents, unmerciful, well, that that hits a little closer to home, at least in in my life. In verse 32, it says, not only those that do those things, but them that have pleasure in them that do them. Tolerance and acceptance. And we can look at these verses and we can say, okay, here's the list, here's the bad, here's the evil, here's the wicked. These things are against God. (coughs) Excuse me. How does God respond? Where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. God says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He does not reject any person who calls. The vilest of sinners, the most wicked among us, if they say, God... I'm a sinner. Forgive me. God, save me. You know what God does? He saves them. And there are times, man, we'll look at that and we'll go, that's not fair. Look what they did. But God says they're the ones that need it the most. How do we respond? God tells us in Ephesians 5, to have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We tend to shun, judge, look down, turn our backs on the sinful in our eyes. And God says don't have fellowship with them, but He does say to reprove them. with the right spirit, it's with the right heart, but it's not a shunning. It's a reprimand. It's a desire to see things change. It is showing grace. God doesn't look at the sinner and say, I'll only save you if... If you never make a mistake again. If you never sin again. God doesn't say that. And yet we seem to look at people and we say, we're only going to extend grace if you promise to do everything like I tell you to do it. If you'll cut your hair, if you'll change your clothes. If you'll listen to this kind of music. It's not what God says. Now God does teach that at salvation He gives a new creature and the new creature will act differently than the old creature. There is change that is made when God saves someone. And anyone who tells you that they're saved but nothing in their life has changed it's not our place to judge salvation but I would question it. And I would be praying for them. And I'd be sharing the gospel with them teaching the Bible to them. Because that's what the Bible teaches. It, it teaches that there is a change. And if there's not a change, then you have to question what's going on, if anything. But we also have to understand that God extends grace where it's needed. And where is it needed? It's needed to the sinful. And who's sinful? We're all sinful. For where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Well, how do we respond to sin? We shouldn't have fellowship with, meaning our, our time should not be with sinners with those who are doing wrong who are constantly doing wrong whose lifestyles are are known for their wrong we should not be hanging out with uh partying however you want to use the word um, uh, spending every day with them spending majority of our time with them it's bad for us it hurts us It will draw you away from God, I promise. But does that mean that we should shun them and never talk to them? No. We should still extend grace. How do we do that? Well, God says to reprove them. The problem is, as Christians reprove people angrily, judgmentally. You're wicked. I don't know anybody who's ever went, when someone screamed at them, you're going to hell, they went, oh No. I don't want to do that. As a matter of fact, just like we do naturally, when someone uh, comes at us in in a a very uh, offensive move, we immediately go into defensive tactics. So if someone screams at someone walking down the street, you're going to hell, they're not going to repent. They're going to put up their defensive walls. And they're going to fight back. So we should reprove them, but we should do it in a godly manner. God, all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, reproves people. He sent the prophets in the Old Testament to preach repentance, the need for it. Why? Because what you're doing is wrong. Stop worshiping false gods. Stop your immorality. Stop all these things. Or God is going to bring judgment. That's, that's part of reproof. But they didn't storm in and yell and scream. They didn't wave their hankies and spit and slobber. As far as I know. But well, they spoke the truth. And as the Bible tells us to do this, you speak it in love. You're wrong. What you're doing is wrong. God hates what you're doing. And there's going to be a consequence. Turn to Him. The world says love everybody. Romans 13.10 says love is the fulfilling of the law. What law? God's law. Love is me fulfilling the law and helping others to fulfill the law. Reproving them. You're not living up to God's law. You're not living up to God's word. What God has said, here's what God's word says. Follow that. That's love. Love is not, I'm glad that you're happy. If your child is playing in the middle of the street and you love your child, you're going to say, get out of the street. If you don't love your child, you're going to be say, I'm glad that you're happy. And then he gets smashed. How did that help him? Well, he was happy. He did what made him feel good. He went out doing something he loved. Playing in the street. If you love someone, you protect them. And if you understand who God is and what God does to sinners who don't accept His gift of salvation, you will do everything in your power to get them out of the street. Because you love them. We've got to have the right spirit. We've got to have the right motives. We have to have the right law. God's law, God's word. That's the rule book, if I can, I know that minimizes God's word, that we should follow. He lays it out for us. And yet we as Christians will look at people and we say, boy, they are so wicked, they are so sinful, they are so bad. Good riddance. But God looks at them and He says, where sin abounds, grace much more about I grew up in a Christian home. My dad worked in the ministry. There has not been a day in my life where I was not a part of ministry. From the moment I was born until this very second, I have been in ministry. My childhood, I was as they say, sheltered. I was protected. I was guarded from a lot of things. I was not exposed to many sins and vices in the world. Uh, Until a couple of years ago, I didn't know what weed smelled like. And then I caught my son. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) And I started working pest control. And going into people's homes. Um, Now it's everywhere. I was never exposed to those things. I was what most would consider to be a very good kid. For most of my life, I was scared to death to get in trouble. I wasn't risking things. Mom said be home by whatever time I was home. Dad said don't go there. I wouldn't go there the boss or the people in charge said, don't do this, I wouldn't do it for most of my life. And people sometimes look at my life and they'll be like, you know, you had it easy, and I did. <clears throat> but I still had sin in my life. I still did things wrong. I still lied, disobeyed my parents. And some people look at that and go, boy, that was, that's nothing. Nothing compared to my life. You know, sin abounded in my life, and I needed God's grace, and He gave it to me. And I have friends now who their uh, growing up was different. Grew up in a broken home. Uh, grew up uh, around the drug scene. Spent time in prison. Did things that, man, when if you would have told me when I was 12 that they did, I would have thought, oh my goodness. I hope I don't ever meet that person. They had sin in their life, sin abounded, and grace was there for them too. And today, those people are in ministry, (laughs) just like me. And I'm so thankful that God has shown me in my life that that's not bad. As a matter of fact, it's wonderful. And we can look at the outcome and all extend grace now because, well, now they're doing good. But they needed somebody, just as I did, as a sheltered child. The teenager in drug issues and sitting in prison needed someone to extend grace so they could learn about God's grace. And thankfully, for my friends, someone did. But what about you? What about me? What people in our lives are we not extending grace to? Because there's too much sin in their life. Cuz God says we're sin abounds. Grace should much more abound. And who's to say that that troubled individual living a wicked life can't be used by God in a wonderful and marvelous way? Someone has to extend some grace, God will. God says that for by grace through faith and he says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How can we expect someone to place faith in God's grace if they don't know about it? And they may not know about it because we're too stuck up to extend grace where sin abounds. Man, I look in life and I just kind of look around and and being bivocational, as much as I hate working a job outside of the church, it has taught me so much. It's put me around people that I wouldn't have been around otherwise. It's allowed me to hear stories and uh, life experiences and personalities that has been really good for me it's really opened my eyes to the desperate need of proclaiming God's grace. I don't do it enough. But I'm thankful as God has grown me with an understanding of bad people aren't that much different than me. And they need somebody to extend grace. Because sin abounds. That's the reason. If they were good, they wouldn't need it. But no man is good. No woman is good. If God's grace abounds more where sin abounds, our grace should as well God has shown that He's willing to forgive, to love, to help. Oh, we should too. And again, I think it happens more with the people we don't personally know. We can hate, which is a sin. Uh, We can despise someone we see on the television, we read about in the paper or online. We can just kind of close up. But boy, they need grace. If Christ is our ultimate example, and if God's word is our guide, our lives should exemplify God's grace, not oppose it. We have to be careful that we don't spend so much time taking a stand that we spend no time proclaiming God's love. We have to do it biblically, right? We, again, we can't, we can't love everybody the way society tells us to, but we can love everybody the way God tells us to. We cannot accept people the way society tells us to, but we can accept them the way God tells us to. No one is too bad. No one is too wicked. No one is too sinful for God's grace. And the reality is, is they shouldn't be for ours either. Yes, we have to be wise. We can't put ourselves in a bad situation. For God is perfect and God uh, is not susceptible uh, as we are. But with God's wisdom, with God's help, With God's guidance, I think we can do better. I think we can do more. I know I can. So may God help us where sin abounds, that grace would much more abound. That we would get off our high horses and get away from our excuses for why we can't extend grace. And follow Christ's example. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. We are naturally self-protective. We guard ourselves from danger. And in doing so, sometimes, Lord, I think we go further than we need to in closing down. And we don't extend love, mercy, grace where it's most needed. We see other people do wrong and we immediately just think the worst. God, I pray that You'd help us to soften. Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes and our hearts. God, that we'd follow your word more closely. And I pray that you would help us where sin abounds to make sure that grace abounds much more. Would you help us with the right spirit, the right heart, or with the right actions, to show grace where it is needed most. Help us in our homes. When sin abounds, that we'll show grace with each other, with our children. Lord, help us in our church. Lord, help us in our workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our society, in our cities, in our state, in our country. Lord, help us to view people as you view people. To love people as you love people. And to show grace as you've shown grace. Stretch us, expand us, grow us. in how we treat the people around us. I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes.